Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining. Well, I'm Lope Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Alley. Just met over on the board. On a chilly day here in Chicago. What, what are we? December 22nd, right? That's right. The uh, SP futures up a buck and a half, and the ASA futures down 10. Dow Futures up 36 after a huge, I mean really huge rally yesterday. So we are back from, uh, we're, we're on, where we are, Wednesday. We are back, uh, at noon on, uh, Monday. We are back almost 120 spook points from the low on Monday morning. We were down 80 points on Monday. Finished down, uh, 40. And yesterday we finished up like 75, so, or 80. So we have made a huge U-turn, uh, so there. So I guess the, the uh, Christmas rally is somewhat intact, and uh, I have to say that uh, I caught it just right. <laughs> or we did, not just me. Uh, so I guess it was it was fine. Yeah, you know, so everybody, you know, thinks we were... Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, I mean, once in a while you get to do something that uh, just did kind of routine adjustments and uh, went up, and we were pretty long yesterday morning, and then last night we uh, basically uh, went, not went to go short, but we kind of... We we're over long, and now we're uh, back to being normal. So, if everything just kind of dies out here, we'll actually really look like we know what we're doing. What do you think? You know, just once in a while it happens. Well, if it's only once a year, it's better than no times a year. Uh, yes. So, but uh, I think it's it's been one of those times in the market. Kevin, how are you? Uh, with you in a sec. Where if you do your routine kind of adjustments and do your, but we've been tr we've been trading. I'm going to say more than. Uh, on routine stuff, we have been doing, well, let me go back. The, the, uh, Protect Index program that we do, the idea is you, uh, you protect your, your, uh, position with put options, so you always know what your risk is. You know, and sometimes if the puts are high, you know, you don't, uh, sometimes you don't want to, you know, you don't want to buy them there, or they're too expensive, or they just go out worthless, or they're always, but by and large, you are, you're always protected. So, in, there were, there were times, there were years, where you would adjust those puts sometimes every three months, four months, maybe you'd get a trend up or maybe you'd get a sell off. We've been doing that where we've been, we've had say the 60 puts and two days later, the things like if whatever it is, the Russell or whatever it is, we've got, we've got Russell, we've got QQQs, we've got spiders, depending on what the clients want or some people want to mix. Some, some, all of a sudden two days later, the things at like 50. You're sitting there going, well, I sure as hell wouldn't buy this 
I was doing it today, you always have to look at your, your stuff, no matter who you are. I mean, I don't give all that much trading advice, but one thing I will say is every day or every week or every month, look at your position like it's somebody else's and not yours. Because if it's yours, you have this attachment to it that usually is not the best. You know, it's like having an attachment to a certain softball bat when uh, there's another one and maybe you should try it. It's a little lighter or a little heavier and you can hit get more hits with. But um, anyway, so you sit there and go. So remind me that when you're done to tell you the softball bat yeah. story, but so, keep going. So all of a sudden, say the, the thing's at 50 and you go, well, if I was putting it on today, I wouldn't uh, buy the 60 puts. I'd buy the 50 puts. Well, now the, the 50 puts are probably 50 delta and the 60 puts might be 70 or so. The higher the volatility gets, the less the, the delta changes on different strikes, but that's another whole discussion. So in other words, but if I roll down to the 50 puts, now I've made money probably on the 60s. Right, but that's another issue. But, but I'm going from a, say, a 70 delta. So I'm along a stack, that's 100. Along a put, at 70, my net is 30. So I'm like, I'm like one third long in the position. If I roll down to the 50s, <clears throat> it's a 50 delta. I'm essentially, getting myself longer at the lower price, which really means I'm buying low, and then if it runs back up to 60, I'd sit there and go, well, these 50 puts aren't doing me any good. I want to lock in some of this run-up, so I go back and buy the 60s and sell the 50s. So when, when it, now we've been we've been rolling some of these things with this market doing what it's doing, sometimes twice a day or, or three times a week. That has never happened. When it does, it's usually really good if you stay on it. But I mean, we're making, uh, you know, a couple people here, we're making 15, 17 trades a day for, for 40 different people. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, like, that, that, that's serious work. And, and, and by the way, a job for a professional, probably not you. Just, just saying. I mean, as I don't, I don't usually do shameless plugs, but let me get this, let me help you. Unless you're a very rare person who manages to spend 10 years managing positions on a, on a trading floor, you're, you're not, you're not capable of that. So if you want, just saying, Matty, I mean, I mean, I'm not capable of your job and I sure as hell don't want to go, uh, start doing IT working for, for Kevin or lecturing for his stuff. I mean, there's stuff you're, you're good at and, and stuff you're not. And once in a while you got it, you know, I'm not going to pull my own tooth. You know, I think the dentist should let me manage his money and he should do it. You ain't going to do the, the little string on the doorknob thing, huh? Uh, I used to tell my my niece, which was younger, she had a tooth that was loose, and I had a uh, back in the day when Doctor J and I when, and JD lived in this house. We had like six cars, right? Doctor J had a, a vet and a Firebird and a, an old Jeep. I had a Ram Charger, a GTO, and we had a limousine, and JD had some old clunker. Um, so I used to tell my niece, "Hey Jojo, let's put a, a let's, let's put a." Uh, String around that tooth and tie it to the bumper to GTO and I'll just peel out. And I guarantee you, you won't have a tooth. She would never go for it though. Not she, sure. she, she just wasn't buying it. No, she wasn't you, buying you it. You needed to get her to watch a little more Three Stooges just to prep her, just to soften her up. <laughs> um, well, before you change the subject, we need Kevin's softball bat yeah. story now. Oh, well, the softball bat story is this. I always had very unusual taste in bats. Um, I wanted a very, very top heavy bat, but with a skinny handle. Um, still have unusual taste uh and and there weren't many that really fit the mold and i I liked a pretty heavy bat too now in the chicago leagues you could always use hardball bats and accomplish that uh except that most of them were 36 inch bats 
uh, which created two problems. One is I couldn't inside out the ball and get it down the right field line when I wanted to um, uh, with, with that extra two inches on the bat. But it also wasn't legal for tournaments, and I wanted to use, you know, my, I wanted my bat for the leagues to be the same bat that I would use in tournaments. So uh, all that said, they, uh, I, I had a bat that I loved. It was a, um, you know, it was a metal bat. And um, and it was it was just perfect. Uh, it had you know it had just the right balance, just the right handle, everything. Uh, it was in the team equipment bag the day that the um, the guy who had the equipment bag's car got stolen. So first of all, that day the call goes out, right? Everybody says, "Bring bats. We don't have any bats. Uh, bring bats." So we wound up probably with you know forty bats that day. <laughs> because uh, everybody just cleaned out the garage. And I struggled for weeks trying to find a bat that felt right in my hands. And, uh, and I just never found one. Then one day, my brother was playing with his work team, and somebody had the same bat. The same bat, it was older and a little more beat up, but it's a metal bat. They last. I don't care if the paint falls off. And it still, you know, was still a 34-inch bat. Still, you could pass that ring over it that they use to make sure it's eligible in the tournaments. And so Tim just took a look at that, said to the guy, I will buy you any bat brand new if I can have that one. <laughs> and since then, the bat has never been out of my possession to this day. In fact, I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. It's here in my room. Um, <laughs> it's, it's standing there in the corner. That, that bat has never left my possession since then. Well, when you went, with the, awesome. you went with the official softball, what guys used to do, the big honking like blue-collar guys we used to play against, they would actually drill into the end of the hardball bat, down maybe six inches, and they would pour liquid lead in there and put a plug in there. Yeah, I had, I had one of those too, but that was just for getting out for fun every once in a while to see see how long you could do it. You know, the whole thing with a bat that heavy is you can't overswing it. You know, you have to just take a nice, easy stroke, and then if you get it, you let the bat do the work, and the thing will go a long way. But I could never hit, you know, game in and game out with something like that. Well, our buddy um, Bill Murphy, because I was, I was always a uh, use the whole field type of hitter. I could, you know, I could hit with power to every field, but I, I still wanted to use the whole field because people come up and they move around, and you know, we, we, you know, like you see the shifts in, in baseball today. If you shifted on me, I would hit it where you moved out, you know, where you cleared out every time, and got to be, you know, got to be really good at sniping it at spots. Um, you know, different story. There was a, a when after I moved to Michigan, I still played in Chicago. Uh, every Friday, but um, but uh, with with my team, but every uh, but I wanted to get in another uh, um, another league during the week, so I played in New Buffalo with some uh, people in Southwest Michigan, uh, and uh, and I remember going up one game and hitting one down the left field line. So the catcher says, uh, you know, next time I come up, the catcher says, okay, this guy hits to the left, move over. So I hit one down the right field line. And the third time up, he said, "Well, I don't know where he's going to hit it." And I said, "I'll tell you what, I'll let you pick." <laughs> so he well, said, "Well, let's see you hit it up the middle." We well, don't and, make it uh, so I stepped into the box, and he starts moving his guys to the middle. And I said, "Ah, uh, 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 you don't get to do that. You get to call where I'm hitting it, but you don't get to move your team." Uh, he said, "Okay." So he, he stepped back in and then hit one over right over second base, just about hit second base on the on the line. 
and uh, remember running down to first base, uh, hearing him go, oh, my Lord. <laughs> well, you know what makes it very difficult to do, Kevin, in, in these social leagues here in Chicago that now have become more and more leagues as the Park District is happy to advocate that other people run the leagues. Starting with a one-on-one-on-one one one count, really, really, it's a problem. It's because I used to like it. It is. Um, it is, and uh, uh, because I, I liked using the count, and uh, and so you can't use the uh, the count obviously when it's a one and one count. Uh, you 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 know you can't be as selective on your on your strike one pitch or your strike two pitch. Um, e- even worse was when I moved to Milwaukee and I was playing with uh, a team up there. Um, the uh, a foul ball was a strike. Or was it, excuse me, it was an out. Um, and no, uh, no, that's the first too. game I played when I uh, was sniping for the left field line and hit one that maybe landed about uh, eight inches foul, and I was up with two outs, and so I grabbed my bat, got back in the batter's box, and happened to notice that the other team was running off the field. And so I looked over at my teammates and said, is there something you haven't told me yet? Yeah. Oh God! So with two strikes, or just any time you hit a foul ball? Any time you hit a foul ball. That's crazy. That's in crazy. Slow pitch in in that league, you were out. Well, they do everything they possibly can to to make the games as fast as possible. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, I understand. It was a doubleheader league with no lights, so and, and you know, the, we got there early and and, the, and played into the uh, into the evening. So yeah, that was fine. The social leagues here too. It's uh, it used to be it's a one one count, and then you got one courtesy foul ball on two strikes. Because with a one one count, you know you take one pitch. All right, now it's one and two. You hit one foul ball, and you're out. And, and you know it's like that Milwaukee league you're talking about. You 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 swung once, you hit a foul ball, and you're out. You're like, and they would give you a, a courtesy one courtesy foul ball. Now they they took that away. So now it's like you almost have to swing at the first good pitch, otherwise you're one and two, and and you're you know you start to tense up a little bit, or or some hitters do. Some guys can hit. Yeah, a lot of hitters don't like hitting with two strikes. And yeah, I, I I didn't mind it, but I didn't I didn't like it either. Um, well, especially you know, if you're trying I, to go down the line. Fine, I can you know I can pretty much hit the ball where I you know in any direction I want to hit it, but. Uh, but you know who, who wants to hit with two strikes because now you you know you're leaving it. You're leaving the uh, if you want to take a pitch, you're leaving it to the judgment of an umpire. And uh, and Chicago softball umpires are not uh, <laughs> are not the, the the best of the best in the uh, world well, of umpiring. The, the new guys they don't they take kind of decision away from these. Well, we'll use the term morons. The plate is a strike, and there's a pad behind the plate. So if the ball hits the plate or the pad, it's a strike. It's all they do is watch the ground. And that's in some leagues. Yeah, that's which, not in every which league. does not have anything to do with what, whether where the ball is when it crosses uh, the plate. And the plate should never be uh, a strike, you know. But it is. I mean, so and I, I would actually, we, you know, we played on Sunday mornings a couple of years ago. I was still playing. Hopefully, I could play some this year. And uh, I'm playing in the league. Then on Sunday, you know, it's a regular strike zone. It's got to get past the plate. So I actually took some call third strikes that I've never done in my lifetime in the league because all of a sudden one will hit the front of the plate, and I'm going. God, how's that thing a strike? But that's the biggest adjustment between leagues in the city is that if you play in like a classic league or park district league, then the plate is not a strike and it shouldn't be a strike. But then you play in a social league, which the social leagues have become just as competitive because there's more of them. So good players are starting to play in them. It's not like you know a, an old school sort of co-ed social league. Yeah, if you want to get in your two three games a week, you got to play in the social. Exactly. league. Exactly. Right? So the social leagues have become just as competitive, if not more, uh, than than the park district leagues. But they play one one count and the plate's a strike, and so it, it really makes for a 
it can make for a, we've played 35 minutes, seven inning games because it's, it's, you know, strike two and then swing and, and the game just flies. Well, that's, that's, that's you know, exactly I, I played in, I think it was, it was like the uh, corporate Olympics or something, you know, but it was a big corporate event. And, uh, and this was a long time ago in, in my Chicago days. Um, and, uh, and they, one of their events was a softball, but it was called Hurry Up One Pitch. You got one pitch. That was it. But here's the thing is your, uh, uh, the offense supplied the pitcher. So it was like home run derby. Well, in, in a way, uh, there, there were a, a couple of quirky rules. One, you know, one was that, yeah, the offense supplied the pitcher. So, you know, it was your own team. If you got a crappy pitch, uh, on your one pitch that you got, it was your own team's fault. So, uh, so that, you know, that was part of it. Uh, but the other part was as soon as the, uh, as soon as one team was out, um, then, uh, uh as, so- as soon as, uh, the team switching from defense to offense was able to s- make the switch and get a pitch off, that you were good. So you would, as soon as you got the third out, you would haul it off of the field and the other team would tall it onto the field because you wanted to get a pitch in before they got the defense set. God. <laughs> well, so what if you hit the and, ball back and, to the and pitcher? It, you know, it was, it, that was made. You talk about getting games over quickly. That did it. Um, and it was, it was kind of fun. I, you know, I'll, I'll admit it's not, it's not something I'd want to do for, you know, on a regular basis, but it was kind of a fun little event for a corporate, you know, fundraising type of event. Well, so what happens if you hit the ball back to the pitcher? He dodges it? Oh, yeah. What are we yeah. too slow? Or, bang it I, off I, I don't know. I'd try and field it and throw it over the first baseman's head. <laughs> but yeah, you were supposed to leave it alone. Well, Kevin, on the way in this morning, I was picking up Mr. Weber and, uh, the guy on, on BBM every year. It's one of the, one of the most interesting things you hear in the morning as he, as he picks a uh, Christmas past and talks about what the world was like and, uh, and he picked 1981, which is interesting because we've been talking a lot about the in, inflation stuff and everything and, I had forgotten that that was the year of, uh, well, I mean, hell, you forget all this stuff. Uh, that was the year of this solidarity push in Poland. Was it, was it Lech, Lech was, was leading that yeah. movement? And, uh, yeah, I actually saw him speak when I lived in St. Joe. Really? Uh, interesting speech. But he, but, but uh, the entire, for those that don't know, Chicago has the second largest Polish community in the world, second only to Warsaw, right? Right. And, uh, more Polish churches, everything, and uh, so everybody in the city put a candle in the window in, in uh, solidarity with the uh, their Polish neighbors, and they were talking about how the economy was in shambles and how the inflation was an unheard of nine point six percent. It was it was destroying every everybody, and and I cannot believe Kevin, we're going right back to that without anybody wanting to read anything about how bad it was, without anybody caring. I just, I mean, I, this, this is, I'm beside myself that this is, that, uh, for the same reasons, the same stuff the central bank did back then, and we supposedly spent a bazillion dollars in education, we have no idea we're going back right to the same spot. And I. Well, and it's being driven by, uh, politicians who were adults then. And, and in many cases were in politics then. Yeah. Well, and. You know, it, it, that's, it, that, that's the part that's just astounding. If you tell me uh, somebody's thirty-five years old and just you know doesn't have a frame of reference, I say, well, you you really ought to learn from history. But people who lived it, 
are 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 willing to go through this again? It, I don't understand. I, 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 I really I, don't understand. I think Kevin, you could probably make a a reach. And I was uh, well, we we're talking last night about uh, uh, the the uh, you know the episode yesterday with the mayor. We're now on January third. You can't go. You can't go into anywhere without a vax card, right? Yeah, Chicago is becoming an apartheid city. Yeah, and uh, but the best is if you have a kid over the age of five, you can't bring the kid in with you if he doesn't have a vax card. Now, having making kids get this vaccine is a real reach. I mean, at our age, <clears throat> if we get vaccinated, we're doing it for ourselves. It's very obvious to everybody that if you are vaccinated, you you don't get anywhere near as bad of a you're more likely to not end up in a hospital or dead. Way more likely than if you didn't. Right. Do you know? Do you know what the uh, percentage of people who were admitted to the ICU before vaccines, um, Jan- you know, like January to May 2020, what the total number of people who went to the ICU uh, percentage-wise was who got it? Um, I'm, I'm sure I read it at some point, but it's not a tip of my tongue. Two point three percent. Yeah. Well. So you may reduce it, but it was already low. Right. It was already, well, yeah, except some, it wasn't low. Cut it in half, I think that's a good thing. I'm not complaining about that. Uh, What what I'm saying is, for perspective, it's not like we're reducing it from 50% of the people who get it go to the uh, ICU, uh, and we're going to knock it all the way down to five or two or, you know. Well, it's not that dramatic. It, it, it is. It's significant. It has statistical I, I significance. Think it, no argument there. But we. But every time I hear that argument, I think, what, what did you think it was before? Well, I'm, I'm just talking about even people who didn't go to the hospital, who didn't have the vaccine. In, in my experience, it seems like. But I think, Kevin, we would both agree, even though you and I never usually agree much, that if we'd have found a way to give the people over 75 in the nursing homes in early 2020 or in early 2019, the vaccines, a lot of them wouldn't have died. Yeah, or if we had um, uh, also, if we had not sent sick people back into the nursing homes, oh, a lot of them wouldn't have died. And if we had focused on treatments while we had the chance, right? Um, then uh, um, a lot of people wouldn't have died. And we are finally going to approve a treatment. It looks like this week is, is what Forbes is reporting is that uh, um, the uh, the two new uh, treatment pills are, are likely to get approved. This well, week. Does, does it shock you? Without even looking at the science, I mean, which I don't. You know what? Sometimes I was reading this thing yesterday about they got this. I hate that term. Look at, look yeah. at the science. How about how about we look at the stats or look at the yeah. Well, the well, they were they were talking about a dude that uh, well, he's he's a political science guy. He might be from Northwestern, and he was saying that. The one thing that's come out of this that you absolutely cannot debate. Whenever he says that, then you immediately want to debate the guy, right? Uh, he says is that the the credibility of people in power, of your politicians, has taken a massive hit. Because nobody believes anything the CDC says anymore. <laughs> nobody believes any of these politics. Because the the the, the cross currents and the different policies from different people, without seemingly any difference in result. He says the population is just stunned at how incompetent these people are. And it's going to take years and years for that to be restored if it ever is. Yeah, assuming that they, you know, assuming that they start displaying competence right this today. today. Yeah, he goes, right now nobody, years, nobody believes that. are not going that. to start us displaying that for, a, uh, for the foreseeable future anyway. But here, but here's, I mean, I, if, if you wanted to 
take people our age and say, you know, you got to have a, a, a vax card. The hospitals are getting cleaned up or getting clogged up. Whatever. I, I, I guess I can understand your motivation. I don't necessarily agree with it. But the, it, this is the, nothing I've read anywhere, especially with the new variant, says that kids that young need to be vaccinated for their own good. Now, maybe maybe for the good of the teacher in the room, in their mind, or for the parent, but for the for the kids, they they had very very little chance of having big problems or death from this thing. And I'm not so sure that that, that shoving vaccines on five year olds is anywhere near prudent. I, I just you know I don't know, Kevin. Somebody probably can tell me I'm wrong, but I, I, that one that's a reach. And as a mayor, I tell you what, you know I know how 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 important facial expressions are to children. Uh, yeah, I, mean, well, they, I think they are to everybody, but to children. I mean, look at every every two or three year old that you know, and and watch the facial expressions, and you're going to look and you're going to say, you know, when 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 Maddie's uh, little one to be is uh, is is two years old, or uh, heck, even six months old, you're going to see facial expressions, and you're going to go, oh, that's Matt, yeah, <laughs> you know, or uh, you know, or that's Jill, you're, you know, you're, this is this is what they do. And yeah, to start masking children like that, um, they they cue off of that. It you know, it, it, they're they're less verbal and more visual than uh, um, than um, than the rest of us are, than adults are. Well, you know, and you talk about you talk about confidence. You know, this uh, this week, uh, Leanna went on on CNN, and she's one of their uh, uh, health experts who's been coming on, and she has been like off the charts draconian about what we should be doing. And uh, and then her statement this week finally is, well, cloth masks are a little more than facial decorations. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, what? one of the young guys... <laughs> you're, one, now you're saying that? One, <laughs> one of the young guys who... Uh, and, he, and he's not... You know, he doesn't do a show or anything, so he's sort of not into this, but he uh, he's a character. He's from New York and uh, got the accent, and now he lives in Carolina. But he does, all his buddies are still in New York, right? So he says to me yesterday, Chief, for God's sake... I had a cold three weeks ago. It wasn't COVID. He goes, all my buddies in New York got this Omicron thing. Not one of them is anywhere near as sick as I was three weeks ago. Why do we? Why do we even care? They'll be fine by the weekend. You know, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, looking for the Omicron's, uh, um, you know, service where I can go. You know, who, where can I sign up to go get it and be done with it? Uh, you know, it's almost like the big guy upstairs got so tired of looking at us floundering around with this that he said, look, we'll give you this one, it'll blow through and everything will be all right. Let's hope that works out that way. I mean, I, that's not an assured. I mean, don't take my opinion on that one to the bank. But this this idea that you're supposed to turn away six-year-olds from restaurants. I mean, this is Lori Lightfoot. I mean, it, it is it is absolutely, I'm not saying that she's motivated wrong or anything like that or she's a bad person, but the, 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 the confidence level is just bizarre. I mean, huge, huge. Uh, disproportionate effect on uh, blacks and Hispanics too. Oh God, yeah, God, yeah, and uh, you know the, the the people whenever you whenever you get this idea of you're supposed to be helping certain people, not because you're black, you're supposed to be helping black people, whatever. I don't know of any black alderman that have ever helped anybody in their area. They steal more than white people, if that's possible, or as much. I mean, who's kidding who? I mean, the the idea that that, that everybody is for all this stuff. You wouldn't have people stealing all this money out of, out of all these programs if, if, if you actually cared about people. You'd make sure that they got the dough. I mean, when I, when I was a kid. One would think. Yeah, one would think. I mean, but she doesn't, her, her city, 
hurt. I mean, the people that are leaving this city, the 80,000 people in the last decade, were black. You can't live in these neighborhoods. As bad as they were 10 years ago, people made a home there. Now I don't think anybody can. They look look like burned out Berlin, for God's sake. I mean, 10 years ago, I think you could actually live in Inglewood. As, as, a, as a regular person. And by the way, there's a boatload of regular family people in these otherwise considered horrendous black neighborhoods. There's a boatload of regular okay. good don't, people. Don't we all, uh, don't we all ultimately share the same, uh, the same goals? Yes. You know, we want, we want, we'd like to be safe. We'd like to be, you know, financially, uh, secure. And, uh, we'd like our kids to have good schools and our kids to grow up, uh, you know, safe and secure and, uh, and and with the opportunity to do uh, to do well, I mean, it, it, you know, is there? We, we have so much common ground, and just can't manage to see our way clear to uh, acknowledging it and building. Well, it. regardless of the a color of person or, or or wherever they come from, it seems to me, and again, not on every, not on everything because. Uh, I came from a well broken family for a little while because my dad died, but my mom remarried pretty quickly after that, four years, five years. So it wasn't plus we had all kinds of other family around, so it wasn't broken to any extent where you know some some lady moves to Seattle and loses her husband and doesn't have a family member in a thousand miles. It wasn't like that. So as a broken family, it was probably on a scale of one to ten, it was a one. You know, uh, Maddie's was a little worse, right, Maddie? I mean, your dad dashed or they got divorced. But it seems to me that whenever you have uh, families together, not everybody's perfect, and not every kid shows up all right, but by and large, it's somewhat of a better deal. I mean, young males need an older male around. It's just the way the world is. Young male elephants need a male elephant around to make to let them know how you're supposed to act. Same way, women the same way, but not as bad as the guys. And uh, and, uh, and when you, the less you have of that... And somehow or another, the family started to break up in the black communities in the 50s, and a lot of the the, the ideas of a uh, way to help it with welfare and other things managed to do just the opposite and drove them further and further apart. Yeah, to in- incentivize. Incentivize, uh, you know, and, and we've away had... Away from nuclear families. And somehow or another... Money in it. We don't have, we have any, any way of policing people that run around and have six trophy babies and just wander, wander around around the world. I mean, guys... Some of them play for, you know, for, for teams we know who they are and they have nine kids in nine states and we don't, but because they can play basketball, it's okay. It's not okay. Alright, I'm just, I mean, you're supposed to, I mean, you're supposed to be responsible for what you do in this world. So, but we have all kinds of laws and money and, and, and incentives to not be responsible. So now, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but it's, it, it's a contributing factor. And, and, and now you have areas I mean, look, look what happened. I mean, I, I'm just saying, there's, the more you get of that, the more you have problems. And the, society is not, is not designed to take care of everybody else's kids. And when you have simple stuff like, you know, family care and, 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 and all the, the daycare and all, everybody, I mean, every, a lot of people have trouble. There's a lot of money trouble. And nobody talks about it more than I do in terms of how, the, the the economy. When you talk to the people that have big big dough on CNBC or chairman of corporations, the world is their oyster. Okay, but if you drop down, when Carl asked me this question the other day, it was Carl or Jeff, he said, "Chief, what do you when do you think we're going to be in a recession?" I said, first of all, in the last twenty years, twenty to twenty five percent of the economy has been in a depression, 
maybe 15 to 20, and 50 or 60 percent have been in a recession all along. They, they, they never made more, had a bigger raise one year than, than their expenses got to them. They, it, hasn't, it hasn't happened in, in, in two decades for most people. You know, and so you, you can have this, the numbers, and now we're throwing money on top of the system, so the numbers show that everybody's doing fine. The numbers, the numbers suck, Kevin. They don't, they don't, they say that, but that's not true. Anyway, SP Futures, I'm sorry, who got me off on this? You were mad at, SP Futures up one, NASDAQ Futures down seven after this massive rally yesterday. Talk, we'll review that in a second. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 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 Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right Forty-seven. Uh, so we're, we're we're really on a pause this morning after yesterday. Uh, Dax up twenty-two point one percent. Puts you up six. Call that flat. Back around up five. Call that flat. So evidently we've all decided we've had our rally back, and now we're in slumber mode before the holiday. But it's which is, you know, if you go back year after year, it's not all that unusual. Over in Asia, Nikkei up forty-four. Call that flat. Shanghai down two. Call that flat. Hang Seng up one thirty-one. That's point six percent. Yesterday though, wow, Dow up 560, S&P up 81, NASDAQ up 360. The S&P was up double what it was down on Monday. NASDAQ up, uh, maybe 25% more than it was down on Monday, and Dow got back all of theirs plus maybe 100 points or so. So it was one hell of a bounce. Uh, 10 year, 1.47, it's down one basis point. The Bund up one basis point to minus 0.28. Wow, in the, in the twos, we haven't seen that in a while. Japan, uh, up to point zero six, so up a little bit. Oil, uh, hey, back up over seventy one bucks, seventy one eleven bucks, seventy one dollars and eleven cents. It's actually down a penny, really, just the afternoon. Brent down seventeen cents, seventy three eighty one. Natural gas up eight cents, three ninety five. Trying to nip, nip back over four bucks, but not there yet. Our bob unchanged at two fourteen. We've got gold up two eighty, seventeen ninety one. Keeps knocking on the door of eighteen hundred. Whatever it hits, it it gets whacked back down like a whack a mole. Silver up 13 cents, 22.66. Copper up 2 cents, 4.37. And we've got Bitcoin up 155 to 48,728. Still not showing any signs of going back to that 63,000 it was a few weeks ago. Matty, what do you have for us? Traffic Weather Sports. 39 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we're not seeing much for traffic volume and delays, but we do have a few accidents to report. Uh, one actually just cleared, so now we went from three down to two. 
uh, we'll start down on the Bishop Ford. Inbound side at 115th Street, which is exit 66B, there's an accident at the top of the ramp to 115th Street. Uh, so that crash is blocking the exit ramp uh, from the Bishop Ford. Uh, down so how, do you, how do you get over to Harbor Side if you can't get off? You're going to play golf today. Good question. And then southwest of there, I-57 northbound, right at I-80, there's a crash on the ramp from northbound I-57 to westbound 80 involving a squad car. So that crash is on the ramp as well. Uh, so uh, don't have any more details on that. Doesn't look like it's causing much for delays, but uh, just uh, wanted to keep that in mind. We also had an earlier crash on the Tri-State, but that apparently is all clear. Only other issue is out in the western suburbs, North Avenue at Grace Street. Uh, there's an accident, but everything else all quiet out there. Absolutely no delays to speak of, by the way. So if you're heading out this morning, you'll enjoy a nice, quiet commute. Weather today, much colder than it's been the last couple of days. Partly cloudy skies, a high of just 31. Right now, it is clear and 22 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 72 today. Right now, it's clear and 48. In sports, we had a couple of... Uh, Delayed Tuesday night football COVID games uh, that took place last night, which was interesting to have a, a couple of NFL games on a Tuesday. The Eagles uh, beat Washington 27-17, to and it was the Rams uh, doubling up the Seahawks 20-10. to NBA basketball, Bulls were off last night. They'll host Toronto tonight at 7 p.m. Suns played. Suns have the best record in the NBA, 25-5, and after they beat up on the Lakers 108-90. to Chief. Lakers are gold. I watched some of that game. Yeah, the Lakers, uh, without Anthony Davis, who has an MCL issue, he's out for like a month. Um, you know, they weren't playing particularly great with him. They're about 500, but LeBron James missed a bunch of games. But now, uh, without him, there, it's another setback. And, uh, the guys around him are, are definitely old. You have Carmelo Anthony, who's on fumes. You have Russell Westbrook, who's on fumes. They brought back Isaiah Thomas, who's on fumes. Not not the uh, 1980s Isaiah Thomas. That would he'd really be on. He fumes. would really be on fumes. The younger one, uh, who's who's uh, you know sort of a shell of his former self. LeBron is the only one that's still playing at the same level. I was looking at his stats, and they're essentially the exact same as when he was 25, as they are when he was 35, and now he's 37, and he's played. Uh, uh, you know, what, since he was 18 in the NBA, and his stats are just as good. It's uh, The guy's unbelievable. He nipped an ankle last night, though. He, he looked, After that, he sure didn't look like Le- LeBron. Yeah. Well, is Rando as old as well, me, that, or is he older? going to be your question with Re- LeBron, is, uh, is how is he going to be if he has to play uh, the whole season followed by a number of playoff rounds? You know, is is that going to take its toll on him? If it doesn't, then you know you just take your hat off and say this man is a marvel. And he's clearly he's he's a workout warrior. He, he you know, he is he is absolutely committed to being in shape. Um, so uh, so that may get him all the way through it. But you know, we we saw this uh, with the Bulls. You know, when they when they got to that last championship, they they were kind of running on fumes too. Uh, and and you know wanted on guile as much as anything else. Yeah. Uh, and and so you know and, and then as they as they uh, moved on to other places, uh, you know they weren't nearly the same players. Um, it is, was, is Rondo was, older than me? Rondo's another one that's uh, I forgot to mention him. He comes off the bench and plays valuable minutes, and he's he's very old and has a lot of miles on him because he's had a lot of deep playoff runs, and I think he's won like four championships in his career. Uh, I saw an interesting stat. Uh, LeBron has now uh, spent more of his life in the NBA than out of the NBA. 
That's that's wow. incredible. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened before to any player. Bef- you know, I I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe Kobe did. For, maybe Kobe. Kobe had, that. had Kobe had too. Um, but uh, yeah, he's in, uh, and and Kobe will and and Kobe may have finished up his. You know, and I, I don't mean this tongue in cheek. I don't mean to be flippant, but he may be the the guy who actually, by the time he dies, spent. Spent more of his life in the NBA than out of it. And I'm going to say Jay that way. Whereas say Jabbar did. Grows to be an old man, will not be able to make that claim in a few years. Yeah, Jabbar probably did. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. If you if you stop the clock at post playing career, um, I'd ha- I'd be interested to see how many people are on that list. Kareem could certainly be on that list. Uh, how how old was Moses when he retired? He started at 18. Yeah, it'd be it'd be kind of interesting because there's there's going to be a few cases where people are either close or or they uh, they made it that long and uh, um, or, or they didn't they didn't. Well, if you came out of high school, you're 18. So you would have to play till you're 36. It had to be there has to be a few guys like that. What's his name? Not on? many. Yeah. There's a few. Uh, like you know who else? Uh, the guys the, Bull, the Bulls drafted. He just retired. The center, Tyson Chandler. Yeah, he's a guy that that would be on that list. Kevin Garnett would maybe be on that list because he played a long time out of high school, um, and he was a young high schooler too. I yeah, think, yeah. I think he was drafted maybe when he was like seventeen. Yeah, I don't think he was even eighteen. Yeah, just yeah. turning eighteen. Yeah. Uh, but I found I found that interesting. Uh, LeBron is is like Kevin said. He there's something to be said for for a guy like him. He doesn't really drink much. He does. He's not a huge partier. He's not. He's kind of like a Tom Brady in the sense that he has the private chef that has the very strict diet. Works out every single day. If you know that there's a reason why these guys are playing so much longer at such a higher level. Not you know, and they're not the steroids guys that we saw in baseball where they had the resurgence in their late 30s. Uh, these guys just are militant about what goes. Well, into the, their the body. idea of not being a Commercial jets, eating airline food. I mean, it, those, I mean, it was a, all of that all adds of, up. All, it all adds up. Yep, no doubt about it. But I mean, Michael, who uh, you know didn't get the same sort of private jet life as these guys did, although I'm sure he did toward the end of his career. But the, there's no doubt that the the partying and the drinking and the no sleep and the smoking cigars and the women and all that stuff. Uh, as fun as it was, and I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have partaken in that either, but there's no doubt that that, that uh, wore him out. I mean, he was... What are you, Burgess Meredith? It hurts the legs, sex? He, he faded fast. And when, when he hit, once he hit, uh, you know, 98, 99, 2000, I mean, he was done. He fell off a cliff. What and, about the guy who was the, uh, the sprinter that was, uh, shall we say, having a little afternoon delight at, at 1 o'clock and his print, sprint was 2.15 and he went out and won? <laughs> you can do it in your twenties. Yeah, you can. Do it. But if you're a, lot of, tra- a lot of things you can do in your twenties. But if you're trying to be Tom yeah, Brady no and still winning Super Bowls at age forty-four, uh, you, you, there's no way you can do that. All right. So, what do you tell me? When when does he have to cut Gazelle off? <laughs> if the game's on Sunday. Uh good question. I'm thinking he doesn't have to when cut her off. I know when I read Muhammad Ali's book when I was in high school, uh, you know, they had the rule, no sex before a fight. <laughs> and I don't know if that was a 30, I, I can't remember if it was a 30 day rule or if it was just a week or something like that. He but, saw, he saw it in Rocky. And he, uh, they lived up to it. I, mean, that, I think it was, a, I think that was a real boxing thing that Rocky just, that Rocky Yeah, I think he did it. too. Yeah. I don't think there's any sci- anything scientific behind that at all. <laughs> anyway, just saying. But the, hey, Kevin, before we, uh, uh, you, you said something earlier, um, that we should have discussed, uh, you know, something you say that's brilliant. Once in a while, something comes out, and, uh, you, you mentioned that a lot of the politicians that are, are seemingly un- unable to recognize the similarities between now and in the 
late 70s and early 80s are clearly of the age where they they should be able to recognize it. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, if somebody's 65, he was 35 when it happened. You should be able to remember stuff when you're 35. It's not like when you were 12, right? Uh, it smells familiar, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, you know what, I'm going to take a shot here. I don't know why I'm taking shots this morning, everybody. But uh, I'm going to take a shot here and say, I don't think anything like this affects a politician. That's why they, they are like they are. They, I, mean, I mean, Lori Lightfoot has never owned a... If, I tell you what, well, this is going to sound awful politically correctly. I guarantee you that if we had a Greek or Hispanic mayor whose, whose family was in the restaurant business and grew up in that business and know how hard it is and know what the margins are, that mayor would not do this to restaurants next week. There's no way on earth they would do that knowing what they were doing and how ridiculous that is. What makes you, I guess I'm going to say, I'm going to say this to you. What makes you think that Joe Biden, as a representative at age 35, where the hell he was, getting his check from the government, had any idea how inflation was affecting other people? Nothing makes me think that. What I really think is, um, for, for those of you who have uh, either read the book or seen the movie Being There, um, and uh, and just for those who haven't, the, uh, uh, the the premise of the story uh, and it's it's a brilliant movie. If you have you know see the movie, um, read the book. You know definitely recommend the book, but see the movie at least. Um, they they have this fellow uh, Chance the uh, gardener, and he's uh, he grew up uh, in inside a rich man's compound, and he did nothing but be the gardener. And he is uh, he is not smart to say he's not smart. I think. I, I think the uh, comment that I heard from one of the other people who was a servant uh, on the compound was "pudding for brains," um, and uh, and and so the the point of it is that um, this guy gets thrown out when the old when the old man dies and pushed out into the world on his own, and he stumbles into uh, stumbles his way into hanging out with a lot of rich, influential people, and he spouts things. About you know that maybe about gardening, for example, uh, that they take as commentary on the economy, and they think this man is just—he's not stupid; he's deep. <laughs> and and they start talking about you know whether he's gonna—they're gonna run him for senator or something like that. Um, and uh, so the the point is, I think that's that was you know seemed like a silly notion uh, when the book was written, but by the time. We've got to today. I think we have elected Chauncey Gardner. Oh, I don't know about a thousand times over. <laughs> well, but I mean, we, but we some just of this, have people who just don't have a friggin' clue. But some, but some of this stuff, Kevin. Um, let me put it this way: if it hasn't happened, I, to I you, think Joe Biden, Joe Biden is is Chauncey Gardner. Well, I mean, what, but what's what's the? I should know this. For God's sake, I used to know all these words. What's the uh, the word where you you could put yourself in another guy's place? Um, the, uh, I don't know empathy. Empathy. I mean, but a lot of stuff. If, if it doesn't happen to you, okay. Now I'm going to say I'll, I'll pick on Joe Biden. I'm, I'm going to say that he was wherever the hell he was in 1981. I'm, he was probably in the, in the House, wasn't he? I don't think he was a senator yet, but what, well, he was someplace. I mean, he, his whole career has been. I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. I'm saying his whole career. I'm going to say that every time uh, that there was a uh, inflation adjustment. Um, actually, people in the House and Senate probably didn't get COLA. 
okay, but they they probably kept pace at some point, um, or had contributions or whatever. So, but they they never they never were in the position I was when I, we were giving not giving where the the steel workers and people who built the railroad cars were getting you know a five percent raise a year or four percent whatever the union contract called for plus cola. Now I don't think they got a hundred percent, but say they got seventy five eighty percent. So those guys got a twelve thirteen percent raise of the years I was at Pullman. Because I did it. Yeah, and for, cost, for people who don't know the lingo, cola is cost of living adjustment. Yeah, and uh, and, and by the and this the inflation lasted so long that people it got worked into a lot of these contracts when it should have. Okay, I'm not saying it should have. Now, me on the other hand was was a uh, you know an executive, <laughs> a half-ass executive. I was I was a financial analyst, right? So I was about as low the executive. You were management. Basically. I was management. And now they they set a five percent thing, and I was one of their claiming best guys that I was doing an awful lot more in my job than the year before and blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't know what they'd do if they lost me. You know, the usual BS. By the way, here's your 5%. And I'm like, tanks for nothing. Well, well, if you've never been in the position where you see other people getting 12% raise and you're getting 5 even though you're getting nothing but praise, you know, who knows if it's you know praise that they're ready to stab you the next minute or not, but if nothing but praise, you sit there and go, hey, this inflation doesn't work out for everybody. Right, and and I could see all the places around me where it worked out. Some people got raises, some people didn't. Uh, some people their houses went up. Some people were renting, and the rent went up, and they didn't have the house. They didn't have the asset behind. So it, it was right in front of my eyes. But because it happened to me, it's it's left a mark. You know, it's it's like you you know you, you never you never know what it feels like to get whacked by a line drive on the mound until you're a pitcher, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So here's here's the principle involved, and this is this is totally lacking in in government leadership. Uh, in uh, I, I don't remember uh, if it was Henry the Fourth or Henry the Fifth. It was one of the uh, one, of, one of the Henrys. One of the uh, one of the Shakespeare plays, and uh, you had you had young young Prince Hal, who was going to be the future King of England, and he was hanging around with this guy Falstaff. And Falstaff was like the Norm Peterson of his day, uh, you know. And, and naturally, everybody at the castle disapproved of the relationship. Um, it was, you know, it, 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 you got you got the, the prince hanging around with this ne'er do well, out drinking, out at all the bars, etc., all the time. And uh, and yet, it turns out that the best advice for the prince actually came from Falstaff. And what he said was. If you want to lead people, you have to enter their world, and and that's exactly what you're talking about. There's this there's this ability to connect, and it's not just to connect in a superficial way, like hey, I can make you feel like the most important person in the room or anything like that. It is really a, a really a connecting at a level of understanding how people live, uh, what their concerns are, and to be able to have real conversations with them. Some of it is, you know, there's a certain amount of it that's a, a term that um, uh, black people used to use, uh, a generation older than us, called feeling tone. And feeling tone just relates to, you know, how, uh, the, you know, are, are you are you comfort are you so comfortable around others and uh, and make others comfortable around you because you're very relatable. Um, and are you, you know, are you able to, uh, you know, to just sit and have conversations with people? On a, on a very real level and, um, and make that work for them. That's what that concept is about. And 
I, I would say the answer is no for most politicians. Do you think you could sit down and just have a, uh, a regular conversation with Lori Lightfoot and feel like you really can relate to the woman? I'm thinking no. Do you, do you, do you think that's really going on in, in her world? I, I don't. Well, I, we uh, talk about a weird old story. One of my one of my buddies knew a lot of guys. Well, still does. Around the sheriff's department. Now, I actually, well, I don't know. He probably walked down the street and not recognized me. But uh, Tom Dart used to be a member at our club, along with uh, Sheriff Sheehan. <clears throat> now, Sheriff Sheehan was one of the most engaging people you ever you ever you ever met. I mean, as a matter of fact, I wanted to work out. I had to, I had to like dodge the guy because he'd start talking to me about because he he also was a referee, uh, NCAA referee. So he knew I went to Notre Dame and liked football. So. He would use me as a sounding board to talk to me and then say, ah, too late to work out because he don't think he ever really wanted to work out. <laughs> and, but he dragged me down that same path, right? But he was most engaging again. Now, time was a lot quieter, maybe because she did nothing but talk. Um, but one of his chief deputies, we go play golf with the guy. And, uh, God, Kevin, it's all day long. It's all about the phone call. Did you read this in this paper? What they're saying about this jail? What they're saying about this constant their, the, the entire day is filled up with this semi-political intrigue of who said what, what alderman said this, how it got in the paper. Some alderman, you know, uh, criticized the the jail or criticized letting this guy out. Well, the, the sheriff has to know about it. That the sheriff, it's you wouldn't believe. I mean, I, I was stunned at how these guys spend their day. And I'm like, who gives a crap if some alderman? I mean, but evidently that's what they do. They're all they're so worried about the the minutia of the politics. Can you imagine what it's like in Congress? I was reading. Yeah, that. and and it, it it is that, and that's and that's their world, and I I get that. Um, just like in your case, your world is is all about investments and about you know uh, you know setting up your uh, protected index and you know all of that. That's your world all day long. But then you can walk out and sit down in a tavern and have just regular conversations. You can sit down and talk to people about softball about sports about politics about but but all uh, you know just about uh, um you know uh, education you know we sat and and uh, uh and met the um the uh, woman from Amundsen talking yeah. about uh, you know what's going on at their high school um you know the, those kinds of you know that the ability to have those kinds of conversations with normal people on a regular level and to be connected and to be really present in it that's what you have to have to be a really good leader not a superficial. Hey, I can you know I, I can glad hand with anybody, but really on a, on a very root level, you're never going to be of that world. But you are you can you can sort of find your way into it and very and be very relatable in that world. And you know that's that you know that's my challenge every day with my students. Um, and uh, and and it's always been my challenge as an operations manager is to be very relatable to people, and and I think that's it, it's lost in the political world. I I just think they're so disconnected from people that you know yeah they don't care. They, you know it's not that it's it's not that they're heartlessly uh, overtly saying I don't care. In some cases, I think that's true too. But uh, but it, it it isn't that as much as it is. You know what? That's your world. I, you know, it's not where I live. It's not, you know, and, and and of course you can't possibly understand my world because it's so deep and complicated. Well, no. Kevin, there's there's oh, levels God. of if you see somebody get whacked by a car, you may care, but if you don't stop, you don't really care. Yeah, if you don't stop and help. 
Yeah, you don't. Or, or, or you see somebody, uh, you know, uh, getting bullied, and you don't stop and help. You may care, but you don't really care. But it, it you know, it, it, it's really, you know, can you, how, how, how much really can you relate to the everyday concerns of somebody? And you know what? That, that's not. It, it's not a liberal thing. It's not a conservative thing. It's just. It's a leadership thing, and it, it's just. It's missing too much in politics. Um, the, the, the lady you were mentioning. Uh, Kevin and I were out one night, and we ran into a couple of ladies. And uh, have you ever met an odder couple t- out together than those two people? Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely an interesting pairing. <laughs> um, um, but so, like, like for Audrey, for instance, now if she sees a goose that got whacked by a car, she stops and helps the goose. Now she cares more than most people who say that poor goose, right? To the point where you go, yeah. you did and what? It, you know, it, but but she's got you know a, a real empathy to her that comes through in a lot of ways. If you know Audrey, oh yeah, yeah, but, but I don't get any of that. I don't get treated as well as the goose. Does she still eat the, a goose uh, uh, two days later on Thanksgiving? Oh no, no. Well, well I don't know. But she. Uh, well, not that one. As long as she doesn't know the goose's name. Yeah, well, not that one. She <laughs> saved that one. I mean, she, besides, you can't you can't call hunting gooses gooses goose in or, in Orland geese. That's true. The uh, boy, they're all over the place out there. The uh, did you ever did you ever uh, um, see the science of them flying together? The, oh the, yeah. It, I don't, Maddie, I don't know if you have, it's it's absolutely spectacular that as a group. They can fly way faster than you can as an individual, because the guy. In well, the f- and all, all that honking is is them egging each other on. Well, the guy in the middle, each other. Guy in the middle goes um, faster than he can go. It's like a sprint, and because of the way the the air fil- filters out, the other guys can kind of glide, and then every once in a while they have to shift the guy in the front because he's tired and he gets to go out on the end and he can kind of glide for a while and they keep shifting. So the so the so the actual pack. Can fly for six, seven hours, way faster than any one goose. They they can essentially sprint for six and seven hours. They can go as fast as anybody can go as fast as they can go because they're all playing off it, and then they switch when that guy's tired. Yeah, if you I, really want to build a successful team, just model it after geese. Yeah, because one guy goes like in the Mighty Ducks hockey movie. They they modeled their whole flying V after after the ducks. <laughs> 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 That's it, right? So, uh, hey, uh, are, any, are there any decent bowl games before the, the New Year's Day? I keep, I keep hearing them. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen one yet. <laughs> there have been, been quite a few on. What was yesterday? Was like the, the smoothie bowl or something like that? Kevin, just real uh, quick, I mean, we've got a dash. What, uh, what is the, um, the, the situation? Are, are, teen, are schools still required to buy all these tickets? Are any of them able to sell them? Are they losing money on this stuff or what? Well, some do, some don't. Um, but yeah, some of them are, are losing money on the uh, on the deal. Uh, but they want to get that extra game. It's built. It's baked into their budget, so they don't care. Um, you know, it's just like going to a road game, going on a road trip. So if somebody, if you got X Y Z school and it's a, a a lower end bowl, what do you have to buy? Like fifteen thousand tickets, twelve, eight? I mean, is there? They is there each a- have their commitments, but you might have to buy five thousand tickets. You might have to buy ten. You know. Um, they're all different, and I would say looking at the bowl schedule, the the quote unquote good bowl games don't really start till Tuesday, December twenty eighth. You get uh, 
Number 20, Houston versus Auburn, Air Force, Louisville, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, UCLA, NC State, and West Virginia, Minnesota. It's sort of the first day where you where you have, like, Power 5 schools playing against each other. How many kids? Who's, who's playing on Christmas Day? That's always the Hawaii game, I think. Yeah, Christmas Day is, uh, this year, it's the uh, Tax Act Camellia Bowl. It's Georgia State versus Ball State. Christmas Eve is the Hawaii Bowl. It's Memphis okay. and Hawaii. The tax act. What kind of tax? What? What? Ta- how can it tax act? act camellia bowl? How does it? How does a tax act sponsor a bowl? Uh, anyone can tax sponsor act a bowl. Tax act is a uh, is software. Oh, oh I assume software. it's a, yeah. I assume it's tax right. accounting software. Uh, wow. All right. Well, Kevin, take care of yourself, bud. SB Futures down too. Yeah. For all the listeners, you, Tom, I'll probably talk to you, but yep. for everybody else, for our listeners, for Matt, uh, have a merry Christmas. Are you coming this you way? You're not on Friday, right? No. You're no. Are you coming this way? I'm not planning to. Maybe next week. All right, bud. Take care of yourself. SP Futures down 2. NASDAQ Futures on 27. Be right back. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. He's Mr. Weber. And the board SP features down 115. As if he's on 27, so we're leaking a hair, but just a hair. We had a huge rally yesterday. Russell, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm sitting here uh, 
perusing and, and uh, critiquing what one of the listeners has sent to uh, us, uh, and they're, they're, they're frantic that you need to change IU Kelly School of Business at IUPUI. What are all those, what are all those letters? Indiana University something. Purdue University. Purdue University. Indiana. Of Indiana. Indianapolis. Right? Of Indianapolis. Yeah. There you go. There, that's it. Oh, those guys are linked at the hip. Right? All right, so there's five people here, and he's outraged that it says here that you are pursuing your Ph.D., and now you have it. That's right. So uh, Who's outraged? One of the listeners said you should, be, you should need to change that. Of course, in August you were oh, pursuing yeah. it, but now, but now I, of course, notice... But here there's five, there's four other people. Uh, mm-hmm. two ladies. Danny Cagnet. Now she is in a, yeah. she's in a very nice blouse, very nice blazer, very attractive lady. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about the picture? Uh, yes, I'm getting, I'm getting to that. They didn't tell me, they didn't tell me it was picture day. How did you not have a, a cardigan around when you needed one? It's warm down there. I'm surprised there wasn't one in the car at least. That's right. Alright, you know, I, I, <laughs> like I always have one that I can just pull out. <laughs> yeah, I probably should do that. Well, now here's, here's Ricardo. It's like how oh, they com- they're complaining about what I'm wearing. No, no, no. I'm just I'm just looking at it, and I, I never saw you. Now here's Ricardo Gumierrez, uh, and he's got yeah. his, the suit coat on. Now there's another another guy with a black shirt and a tie. I like that. Uh, at least it's not a white tie. Like if he if he came from the hood. Uh, he's a senior lecturer in finance. And, and you're in a plain, I haven't seen, I don't think I've ever seen you in a plain white shirt. Well, I, I didn't know. I, I thought I was going down to sign some paperwork and do a couple of other things and then continue on my way for the day. And I wasn't dressed for the job I want. I was just, you know, dressed to get by that day. No cardigan, no pipe. But don't, don't I, don't I just look, you know, really, they took about 750 pictures, and they found one where I looked kind of relaxed and happy at the same time. This is the best one? Wow. Yeah, it's the best one. Um, <laughs> when I, when I, when I, when I yeah. adopted... I this is what, you, what you're going to get on to me about? I'm just saying. Well, it's it's, 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 it's kind of like everybody complaining about Laurie Lightfoot yesterday, so, you know, being so ugly about the vaccine thing when... Uh, you know, and go get your shot when so many other people are getting shot in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, that was all over the Twitter feeds last night. To get a, yeah, no, I know. There, there's well, something I'm, like, I'm actually I'm out in Southern California right now. Good for you. Oh, lucky. There, it's very early out here. Yeah, they were they were merciless on Lori uh, last night in the Twitter yeah. feeds. It was more people yeah. got shot in the city and killed got shot and killed in the city last weekend than have died from the Omicron worldwide. <laughs> Which, <laughs> That's a good stat. I like that one better than who's been in the NBA longer than they were alive. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> which which really wanted me to start googling quick, but I had to. But I had to be. Prepared. I, I would have gone down the Googleator on that one and forgotten to call in. I bet that list. Uh, if you if you stop if you stop the clock uh, the day they retire, that list is probably ten or fifteen people. If you actually. You know, keep it current. Like you actually lived longer in the NBA than than not in the NBA, and and we're talking playing, not coaching. Uh, then that mm-hmm. list has to be one person long, doesn't it? Which would be LeBron. Probably. What do you mean? Um, Why wouldn't you count Jabbar? Because he he's been out of the NBA for forty. Oh, years. you mean if they're, are they still yeah. doing it? Yeah. There's yeah. no. Well, when uh, was LeBron like? I think a lot of it has to do, and you you guys know this more than me. 
there been, there's been iterations when you could enter to leave at seven at eighteen, yeah, and then you couldn't. So it, yeah. most of those guys have to be people that could enter right after high school, which is most would, yeah. Which, like Jabbar pl- entered yeah. when he was twenty two, yeah, but he played till what forty or thirty nine or something. No, he was forty four, so he was he was up there. So you know, call it. Let's say he played twenty years, which is probably right. Which is probably I bet dead he on. played twenty two years, and he was twenty one when he got there. Okay, so th- so he he played twenty one years. That would be you know an opportunity. Uh, where he would maybe break even. He yeah. Played, he was yeah. 21 mm-hmm. not playing and then uh, 21 playing. He maybe broke even. LeBron came in at 18, so uh, he just passed uh, where he's you know playing in the NBA longer than than being alive, and he's going to play you know five more years, seven more years, whatever. So he's going to build a pretty big uh, uh, advantage there. But then when he retires. Uh, you know, then it, it, it's gonna, I guess, pass him in retirement. Kobe died young enough. I'd ha- I'd have to look up. Did he actually end up playing in the NBA longer than he lived? Than he lived? I mean, that's well, that's crazy. It's, it's possible because wasn't, wasn't he just over seven, a tick over seventeen when he yeah he was yeah up? yeah and and then yeah. he played uh, like at twenty years I think. Um, I mean, I gotta believe Kevin Garnett's in it. Garnett so. would be in that category, but now he's been retired for a yeah. few years. Anyway, it's just kind of a weird. But thing. Moses, I don't know if he made it you know, to thirty six, did he? He started when he was eighteen. He did, but I yeah, I don't know how long he played. He probably played that long. Chandler, maybe. Tyson Chandler was a there's good only one. Had, it turns out there's only had, there are not that many guys that played past forty years old. I'm kind of goofing around on the internet while we're talking. You know, the one that you would automatically think just by looking at him is Robert Parrish. Yeah. He looked like he'd already spent most of his life in the NBA when he was twenty, and he played until he was forty three. Um, I'm going to say he didn't come out of college early, though. I bet he came out. No, know. probably not. But still, he just was so he just looked old. You know what I mean? When was Some the first? Look old. I should remember this. When when did people start being able to come out early? I mean, after it, after freshman year, we're, we're talking about guys that didn't even go to college. LeBron didn't even go. Right? He came right from high school. Right. Right. But there only been a couple uh, so of those I mean, guys. It's it's a fairly recent thing where it, you know, the one and done thing has came up within the last twenty years or so. But before that, you didn't even have to, you know, they didn't even have to go to college. Yeah, right, so come I mean, out. But then more and more people were coming out of high school, and I think the NBA enjoys having a free farm system in the NCAA. Oh, without a doubt. Them. Without a so doubt. So they, you know, they, and the NCAA, I think, said, hey, could you help us out here? Yeah. Well, you, you, you By the way, Kareem uh, never, never one qualified. And done, uh, the one and done was created. Kareem didn't? No, he, he came in at 22, and he retired at 41. Okay, so he never qualified. Uh, oh, he was twenty-two. Okay, so be- because because he played college and, and he couldn't play his freshman year of college, and then he played three years in college after his freshman year, right? Yeah, because oh, I mean, yeah. some guys. The, I mean, that, that was my day. Some guys. Time, there was a time I used to go to Memphis State games with my dad, and we would show up a little bit early and watch the freshman team play. Well, depends on when your birthday to me. Yeah, depends on when your birthday yeah. and what state you were in. Man, they all have different cutoffs. Like when I graduated, I was twenty-one. So a lot of guys were twenty one, a lot of guys were twenty two. Yeah, if you're twenty two, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. It's That's what I'm saying. The oldest ever was a guy named Nat Hickey, who played until he was forty five years old, but he also played in the forties. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna guess that there hasn't been somebody with the one and done. There hasn't been a, a seventeen, eighteen year old right out of high school in in fifteen years. Easy. Sometimes in a long time. I think Garrett Rose might have been nineteen when he started with the Bulls. Yeah. He uh, played one year of college, uh, 
Uh, LeBron, I'm LeBron's well class, aware of that. LeBron, yeah, I know. <laughs> LeBron's <laughs> class. LeBron is one year older than me, uh, so I graduated high school in '02. He was class of '03. Uh, that was the last year that they allowed you to uh, come straight to the NBA at high school. So then you had to masquerade as a so, college student yep, for a so year. So 04 and beyond, you had to either masquerade as a college student for one year, or you had to go overseas for a year, or you had to go to the NBA Development League for a year. Is uh, there is there a strict age? It's uh, There is. Yeah, there is. The, and yeah. the reason that I know that is um, Memphis has um, Bates and Durham, Durham. Uh, they they signed a couple of kids that decided to come out of high school a year early to join Memphis, and one of them is so young that he, even after a year at Memphis, he won't be able to enter the NBA draft for another year. Was that was that the Maurice Collette? Then you have to be nineteen to, to sign him with a pro football yeah. team, or is it twenty? I mean, was that yeah? The, he turned the Corrette, whichever one it was turned eighteen right after after the season had started this year. Well, football's really young, yeah. really, really young junior. Football, you have to be three years out of high school. So I don't know what the number, the age is. I, I don't know if it's twenty or twenty-one or what it is, but it, you have to be three years out of high school to to be eligible for the NFL. But, but there's a there, if, if you don't think if you about don't, that, it makes sense. But if you don't go to college, there's there's yeah. some. I thought there was an age. To there it. is, yeah. I think it's like I think it's like twenty or something. Okay, what the so Russell, uh, you, you're you're yes, official sir. in this thing. Uh, Mr. Mr. White shirt, uh, uh, uh-huh. and uh, is, how does how does it feel? Me so nicely. Now, does the family treat you better? They call you doctor. Um, doctor dad. I got oh. that one yesterday. Oh god. All right. Well. Wow. So uh, uh, no, they don't. They don't treat me any differently at all. Um, so I, 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 somebody's laughing in the background right now. I woke him up at five in the morning to come to join with you. Well, ah. well, tell them thank you. Yeah, they said thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> all right. The, uh, all right. So I got, thumb, what, I got a thumbs up and uh, sort of irritated. Um, I, have, I, have, I have a I have a question for you because I was asked by uh, yeah. Jeff yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. Chief. What do you think? Do you think oil is going to a hundred? And my reply was, uh, I I don't think it's going to. I, I honestly believe that with all the people that. Are capable of producing oil. There's like 20 com- countries that export even like at least a little bit. Uh, the I, I think that the equilibrium price of oil, but it's not jacked up and down by politics, is somewhere between you know 60 and 80, and, and it might be there 60 and 75, and it might be there like like forever. And I, of course, didn't didn't you know didn't check it or anything like that. So uh, the same person who sent the uh, thing with your picture on it uh, claims, and I, I did not know this that the the CME price quote of crude oil for the next ten years to January two thousand and thirty-three, the equal their price is fifty-nine bucks. Uh, did you know that? I mean, or would you? I didn't know you could go out. And I knew it. we were. I knew we were in long time, long, long, long term backwardation. I didn't know the exact numbers, um, but I, I was aware of that, and, and I think that's an assumption that we're going to have less demand. Okay. I mean, really, I think that's that's, that's a, a long-term assumption that more and more people are going to uh, drive electric cars. Okay, and I, uh... so I, but but in the short term, I just I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if um, we end up seeing a hundred dollar oil in the next year or two. No, is that I don't think this. I don't think I don't think we're completely out of the woods. I mean, God, we haven't seen any numbers yet. 
but I don't think we're out of the woods at all with the inflation stuff. And the, the administration that we have in place right now, you know, they'll deny it, and a lot of people say that, that it's not true, but some of the actions that they've taken have not helped uh, the price of oil at all. And the hope was other countries would, you know, come in and kind of bail them out on this one, and the other countries are not doing that. And there are oil-producing countries that are lukewarm at best to us. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not going to help us out if, if we get a higher oil price. Well, but so, I mean, the world right, price... You know, it's, it's not being... It, it, the non-expanding production here, like it might be needed, at least for the short term, is we go through this transition to, you know, supposedly better cars for us that run on electricity. But I, I wouldn't be the least bit... I, in fact, I was looking at out-of-the-money oil options going out into the middle, like going out to the summer driving season uh, and thinking that we would have triple-digit oil next year. Um, when you say but the oil community, in a lot of ways, other than you know crazy stuff that governments have done over the years that have influenced the price of oil to in, on the macro level, um, I think one of the things, I hope you would agree with me, maybe you won't, is that actually when you get right down to it, there's very few industries that are, are as competitive as oil, right? Oh, I think it's probably, even though it's so politi- it's such a politically charged market, uh, it's probably the purest thing we have to supply, to be an influence by supply and demand. Other than, other than corn and wheat. I mean, yeah. what, what it comes down to when you're trying, when, you know, the president was trying to manage the price of oil, yeah, the the best thing that he's come up with was putting more supply out into the market, which which really it, which it, was a drop in the bucket. But now, still, even that's if the, that's the best thing that they could have, and when they were trying to when they're trying to push the price down, they were trying to get OPEC countries to increase their production. It it, it really is the closest thing to a pure supply demand driven market that we've got. Well, when you have and the another people, another part of it, another part of it is it's. It, you got to pull it out of the ground and deliver it fairly quickly. It's not cheap to store. Well, the uh, everybody, uh, well, certainly the the, the right wingers, of which I'm surrounded by, all they do is talk about this. Uh, what's the pipeline that that Biden uh, exnate? Oh, Keystone. Yeah, that thing was yeah. was, was never really designed for people here. It was designed to get Canadian, very sandy tar sand, heavy oil to. Through the through our country to those uh, refineries on the southern coast, mainly Orleans area, that uh, were designed for essentially Saudi really sandy oil and Venezuelan oil. Because Venezuela mm-hmm. Venezuela is so screwed up that they they can't even even uh, do their oil anymore. So, I mean, and, and I think you probably know more than me that d- individual refineries are designed for different types of oil. Correct. I mean, you don't. You don't, oh yeah, you're not yeah, going to take you know. actually, and 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 for different types of output as well. Like we have our own Chicago refinery because we have our own um, down there on the southern part of Lake Michigan uh, because we have our own reformulation brand of oil of gas that we have to that, that yet can only sell in Chicago because of emissions. Just like California yeah. has its own specific type of gas. Um. So yeah, but so, I'm saying you you so, uh, it's not uh, not all refineries are interchangeable. But the uh, the the particular you can, you can change them around, but it's expensive. Yeah, you're not you're not going to uh, 
the, the Yamico refinery, the old Standard Oil Indiana refinery in Whiting, the big huge one there, or the one out mm-hmm. in uh, Exxon's is out on, uh, where is it? It's like in Joliet or whatever. You can't just one day decide to send tar sands oil through the pipe to the place and have the no. thing work because in heavy oil, every pipe's got to be heated in the first place, right, or the stuff doesn't flow. I mean, there's, there's a million things to this, and I don't begin to become an oil engineer. But anyway, I, I don't think there's been any... One of the big issues with the Permian Basin in Texas is there was no pipeline out there, right? So they had to actually truck the yeah. stuff. So the, the difference... When, when you see oil at, at uh, when I talk about it in the morning and say, you know, oil's 71 bucks like it is this morning, it doesn't mean that if you're in the Permian Basin in West Texas and there's a, there's a, there's a barrel of oil sitting in front of me that I'm going to tell you that I'm going to, I want $71 for you to cart that barrel away. That's not the case. Right? <laughs> that, that isn't happening. That, that barrel is worth $71 in a pipeline or in a tanker in the, in, in the, uh, ref- the right refinery on the Gulf Coast, right? It's not worth it. I mean, what the, uh, didn't some of the, when oil went way down a few years ago, didn't they say that the, the Canadian tar sands oil at the field was like four bucks? They had like a $20, yeah, it, was, it was like a $20 really discount. But I'm saying that, but I, I don't know that the administration, and I don't know this, uh, I thought people were building a couple of small, like, feeder pipelines to get from the Permian Basin to the refineries. I don't think any of that's been impacted, have it? I mean, the, the real pipelines that we're doing here, of course, who cares? We put a pipeline along West Texas, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, none of that has been stopped, has it? Or, or has it? Uh, not that I know of. Not that I've heard. So, if we haven't heard... It probably has. And why would you, and why would you do that right now? <laughs> no, I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. But, I mean, I... I, I uh, we used to have... Uh, I used to go to those money shows once in a while because the CBOE used to do a lot of uh, speaking at those, and I would go and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be one of the traders on the floor, and I'd say a few words, and uh, people could ask you questions and so forth. It was kind of fun, but the whole rest of the time, Russell, I actually I was I didn't know anything about oil and gas industries other than watching like the old movies where you got a gusher and a, the Three Stooges, and it's you know and oil's running all over the place. Very uh, exciting. Yeah, it was well, it was great, and uh, but I, I would well I was a little younger. Let's say. Let's say the oil and gas guys always hired the best-looking ladies at their booth. So I couldn't stop but to say hello, right? And, and by the yeah. way, and, uh, the, uh, but I, I was stunned by the different, how, how complicated that field is. You can have an oil that doesn't have a road or a railroad near it. You might, it might be 30 years before you drill there. Cause you can, what, what does it, what good does it do if you, if you, if you strike oil or gas? You can't get gas anywhere, right? At least oil, you can truck it. Uh, in some guys, some areas, they know they're going to get gas or oil. The whole area has a certain amount. You're going to, it's going to cost you this much for well, and it's going to give you a 20% return or 15% return for 20 years. I mean, it's a million different things involved in oil. And it, to me, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, uh, that whole industry. Oh, yeah. No, my, I, I've got a, a godson that's uh, uh, majoring in petrochemical engineering at Texas right now. Wow. Because of that, I mean, I, it, there's it, there's more to it than you know just pulling it out of the ground and then all of a sudden it goes into the tank. It goes into my car. Oh, got you. <laughs> it's a very te- it, it, there's a lot of technical aspects to it as well. Also, trying to figure out uh, 
how to take depleted reservoirs and get a little bit more out of them, like shooting water down into them, fracking, and that sort of thing. Well, that's what they're doing all those old uh, places in it's Oklahoma. Not, it's not a bunch of dumb rednecks throwing a hole into the ground. Well, plus if, you, if you're like dumb rednecks, if I you, used to sound like a dumb redneck. Plus, if you, and, if you, I was going to say, if you filled your tank up in Chicago and, dro- and drove to Las Vegas, well, if you could get to Las Vegas on one tank, you got one hell of a car. But I mean, you you, you don't want winter Chicago gas in summer in Las Vegas because if once you pull the top off, the thing's going to evaporate and smell like there's no tomorrow, right? So they have to put all yeah. different additives in depending on the. It, it is incredibly complex. Just goes to show you how smart a lot of our people really are, <laughs> right? Yeah, it just especially about the thing that you're supposed to know something about. Yeah, I mean, I mean but, but everybody's an expert. If you ask everybody, they're an expert on gasoline. No, you're not. <laughs> well, you know who's not an expert on the energy space? Um, Our Secretary of Energy. Uh, <laughs> that's always a problem. Yeah, she's no. Really, I was just looking around because we were talking about you know really having to understand all this. And so I was, I was listening to you, and I was multitasking and reading about, you know, her uh, her experience. And she got, she was the governor of Michigan. She's got some great experience here. She's probably a very smart lady. Uh, but uh, nothing that she is. The only thing that seems to match up with the past, in her past with energy, is that uh, 126,000 Michiganders work in the clean energy sector. That's it. That's the only thing within here that talks that that is in her past that is even remotely associated with her job. So the uh, I, the IU, I, I hope that some people advising her are from industry. Well, so the Indiana School of Management, which you are, you are now a PhD member of, does not subscribe mm-hmm. to the the Harvard School of Management from the seventies and sixties. Well, why? You don't subscribe to the the old Harvard model, which is if if you're a manager, if you're a Harvard mm-hmm. educated manager, it doesn't matter whether you're running a hot dog stand or the next day you find yourself in charge of a steel company. You're a manager. All businesses are the same. You can be a star. So you can be a everything's a widget. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield poked a lot of holes in that in back to school. Um, yeah, but I mean that that, that was the manager. That was <laughs> your your guys like I know, I, no. maybe Robert McNamara. Uh, I mean, he, he, hey, I yep. right now I'm teaching two uh, two two classes for Kelly. Um, teaching one in the uh, MBA program, and I'm teaching one in the uh, graduate uh, medical management space. Wow, and. Uh, I am in two completely different groups of people, two completely different skill sets. I don't think I could take anybody from my general MBA class and put them in uh, a position at you know IU hospitals, uh, trying to manage things there. They, they, so I, I, I can put lots of holes in that one in a heartbeat. Okay, what I'm saying is, you know that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not debating. I'm saying if if, you, if you if you were to ask Robert McNamara. When he came from Ford and went to be the Secretary of Defense, he would have said to you, what's the difference? Management is management. And you could have put him in charge of Exxon. You could have put him in charge of a shipping company. He'd say, I'm your guy. I know mm-hmm. how to manage. I think there is some truth to that as long as you are willing to listen to experts in the area that you've just been plugged into. 
Now that now you come down to personality and not not your degree, right? And you actually, I, I think they're, they, I think one of the one of the best things. You know, a, a common friend of ours, the one that that actually hired me to work at the Options Institute, MK. He uh, he said one of the reasons that I always want to know why people hired me, not because I'm I'm like surprised, but I just want to know what it was that they saw in me. And he, the thing that he said he saw in me was. If I didn't know something, I would admit it immediately, and I'd go find the answer. Uh, that's a trait that not many people have these days. Uh, it's, that, that, that was, and I, I consider that a really high compliment. Now when I interview at places, I try to make sure that comes across. Unless you're a politician, uh, then, it's, uh, then it's, if you're a politician, it's waffling. Uh, I just say, you know, there are probably two different types of Harvard MBAs. The one that think they know everything because they're a Harvard MBA, and the ones that you know move from you know a retailer to an energy company and realize that there are some differences there, and you know rely on the people that know that industry better. Rely on the institutional knowledge of the place that they're managing. Well, there actually was a difference. We got to go to break here. When I was in Chicago a long time ago, uh, there was a difference in the management in, in the educational style, and I, I think you're you're more. I don't know if you know it or not, but you're more of the University of Chicago style, where the their style you you, were, you learned a lot of basics, you know, uh, principles of all the, the advanced cost accounting, advanced marketing, advanced economics, uh, designing compensation packages, things like that. Where where Harvard, mm-hmm. I think in the day they put teams together, almost like law school, and you you worked on a case for this company and that company, and what you what you sort of taught people. Is if, if our group got together, it didn't matter what company you dropped us on, we would find the solution. It was kind of just it was just a different thrust. I don't know if one was wrong or right. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just it was just a uh, it was just sort of different. But I think I think you're closer to the the Chicago school than you are the other. I think. Yeah, there's 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 a practical side and there's a pure academic side. And I I think one of the great things about Kelly is we. We really do focus a lot more on the practical side of things. I'll bet you're having a great time doing one of the, the medicals one. I bet that's, that's good stuff is, for you. It is one of the best. It, it's one of the best experiences I've had as a teacher. Um, maybe when you, when you get you can get done with it. How can I say this before we go to break? Maybe when you're done with that, you could come up here and educate me. Uh, one of the groups that I, I do business with, and I talk to a lot of the clients, and I've done this now for many many years. Um, talking to retired doctors about their trading account. Now that's a challenge. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and I know what you're saying. They've always they've always been the I, brightest I bulb. Five minutes on that one. Yeah, they've been the brightest bulb in the box for just about their entire <laughs> life. And well, anyway, SP is down six. SP is down forty-one. That's why I don't try and take your appendix out. I'll just say that you're right, PAX, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Back stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howie's Mr. Matt Weber on the board. We have Mr. Professor, PhD, Doctor Russell Rose. I finally get to say that. That's cool. Um, on, on, the, on the horn here, we've got uh, S&P futures not on seven and a quarter, and Nasdaq futures on forty-four. So we're leaking just a tad, but, but because they had a huge rally yesterday, I don't, I don't think that's in any sort of danger. I'd be, I'd be really shocked if it was. Let's just, let's say, let's hope it isn't. We stay up because I'm still, I'm still long. There's one reason for us to stay up. Uh, Dow futures down seventeen. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX uh, up three. Call it flat. FTSE up three. Call it flat. Uh, around up four. Uh, I guess we call an Allen flat. So, uh, it's a snoozer over in, uh, over in New York. Nikkei up 44.1%. Shanghai down 2, call that flat. Hang Seng up 131, uh, 0.6%. We've got yesterday, here's the big news. Dow was up 560 after being down on Monday. Uh, S&P futures were up 81 after, they were down 80 on Monday, came back to being down 40, then they were up 80 yesterday. So we're actually, a solid 40 points up on the week, which you would never have guessed about noon on Monday. Uh, NASDAQ up 360 at 2.4%. These over 2% moves, we went, Matty, God bless, you remember probably better than me. Didn't we go like 18 months uh, at one point without a 1% move? Now we have 2% moves almost every day. It's crazy. Uh, bonds uh, unchanged at 1.47, 10-year uh, rate. Uh, the bond uh, minus 0.29, which is actually up a little bit. Uh, Japan positive 0. 0.06. Oil uh, back up over $71 yesterday, but we're actually down a nickel today. 71.07. Brent down 16 cents, 73.82. Natural gas up a dime, 3.96. Still can't quite make it through four. Maybe they will tomorrow. Our Bob down a penny at 2.14. We got gold up four bucks, 17.92. Silver up nine cents, 22.62. 
Copper up three cents to four thirty-seven. Last but not least, Bitcoin up down seventy-five bucks, forty-eight thousand four ninety-five. Matty, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? By the way, the days are getting longer, Matty. So you ready? Right. You ready for softball? Today's day one of the days yeah. getting longer again. Uh, Thirty-nine minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, very quiet on our area expressways as it's been all week. Uh, due to uh, folks uh, being off for the holidays. Absolutely no delays on the Edens or Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Southside Expressway is looking good. We did have a couple of earlier crashes last hour on exit ramps. And then this hour, we have another crash on an exit ramp. I don't know what the problem is with exit ramps this morning, but this uh, one... 40 miles an hour versus 90? I guess, but uh, this one is right off of I-80, the Torrance Avenue exit ramp, which is Route 83 on uh, I-80 there. Uh, right near the Bishop Ford as well, sort of that uh, busy area down south. We have a crash that's blocking the uh, Torrance exit ramp off of 80 uh, and the Bishop Ford. That's our only crash in the area. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, much colder than it's been the last couple of days. And then we'll actually warm back up a little bit this weekend. Uh, but today, partly cloudy skies, a high of 31. Right now, it's clear and 22 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 72. Right now, it's clear and 49. In sports, a couple of rare Tuesday night NFL games last night saw the Eagles beat the Washington football team 27-17, and it was the Rams doubling up the Seahawks 20-10. NBA basketball, Bulls were off last night. They'll host the Raptors tonight at the UC. That's a 7 p.m. Chicago time tip-off. Suns played last night. They now are an NBA best 25-5. and I know our Phoenix listeners are enjoying their season after they lost in the finals last year. They beat up on the Lakers last night, 108-90. to Chief. Hey, when they lost to the Lakers last year in the playoffs, did they have somebody hurt? They did not lose to the Lakers last year in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Uh, they uh, they made it all the way to the finals last oh, year. Oh, right, they made it to the finals. And then they, they lost to the Bucks. I just, I think, they were saying last night, they did. I remember they did beat the Lakers, and they lost to the Bucks. Yep, did Milwaukee they won they have somebody hurt in that final series? Was it Doug? Uh, was it Paul? Didn't he? No, well, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, I think everyone was kind of banged up, but I don't remember. Um, I, I seem to remember Chris Paul missing some time in the playoffs last year, but I feel like he played in the finals. He played in the finals, but it looked like he was kind of on a half a half yeah, ankle. Yeah, that sounds or right. And and everyone was pretty banged up last year on both sides. But uh, the, uh, Giannis for the Bucks was just unstoppable, and and. Uh, Milwaukee ended up winning a, that series when they were down early in that series. Yeah, well, yeah, weren't they down 3-1? 3-1? I don't know. if I think they were down uh, 2-0 or 2-1. I don't think they were down 3-1. But, uh, but yeah, and then they came back and took control and won it all. But Phoenix uh, looks even better this year. Um, hey, Russ, I want to run something by you. Since you since sure. now, you're, now you're like my professor. You get to grade my papers. Uh, uh-huh. I was talking the other day, uh, you know, I won't say out of school, but I'm I'm reaching the point. I'm getting this sense, after being somebody who has preached for like a real long time, is that you have to look at the you know the the the, the big numbers. When I say the big numbers, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, Carl looks at the the labor numbers in different ways than some people, and he's he's kind of taught me to look at these you know over period of time numbers and compare stuff and notice the differences instead of just you know looking at the last quarter, which is you know what you're not supposed to do, but. Um, and it seems, you know, you, as I mentioned to people that are so right-wing or left-wing, you know, if you look at these big numbers, you can't even really tell when one guy leaves office and another guy comes in. So even though they sound different in terms of employment, in terms of budget deficits, in terms of stuff, they're really sort of all the same. And, uh, you know, that kind of quiets the room a little bit. But uh, one of the things that I, I didn't notice, you know, you and I we were talking with Kevin about 
being through the inflation deal back in the early 80s. Got me started on this is the guy in BBM this morning was doing Christmas in 1981. He was talking about the, the country was was really being uh, uh, harmed by an inflation of 9.6 percent over year over year, and you know and how it was that plus the uh, the thing going on in Poland, you know, solidarity and so forth. But I, you know, it was a recall mm-hmm. thing. The guy who does that does a terrific job every year. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but the uh, he, he picks like every Christmas and has a little summary of what world was like at that Christmas well, and uh, anyway this got me started this morning but and, I, and I've seen the, this inf- inflation numbers now and the money they're pouring into the system I think I almost have to step back like you say and all of a sudden the things you say you think were right or wrong uh, add on to this another little shot in from the side is a book I read the uh, Freedom from Fear and I've talked about it before and, and there the, the guy talked about the 20s and I always thought you know, the 20s, hence the name Roaring 20s, everything was doing fine, everything was doing this. And, uh, and all of a sudden it kind of fell apart by, you know, too much margin and stock market and a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, but this, this guy put the thing together and he said, no, actually the agrarian, uh, piece, which was a much bigger piece of the, of the puzzle than it is now in terms of percentages, was actually in the depression the whole damn decade. And so this other yeah. area, and this other area, and only and only in the in the in the areas where the market was going higher, and in some industries that were growing, like automotive, in some places, they were. You almost had to stratify the whole economy and say, well, this group is not moving. This group's a recession. This group's depression. And I'm getting this feeling. A that was a, that was a huge lights on for me about how I managed to go this alleged expert on the depression. I didn't even know anything about that. So that was a humbler. Uh, and you get hu- these humblers all the time, right? Uh, so now I'm looking at the numbers you see spouted on TV. I don't think, unless I had some of your uh, people, I don't know that either one of us, you maybe more than me, could actually do a stratification of, of what sections of the population are moving forward versus moving back. Because the, because if the money that's piled in, if you just look at, oh, Home Depot's sales are up, of course they're up. They raised the prices of everything 25%, you idiot. Yeah. How, could they, how could they not be up? You know, so, I mean, I don't know. There, there's people that have gotten a 20% raise from $10 to $12, but that's $2 an hour for those that don't do the math. I know this from Pullman. Figure 2,080 hours in a year, right? Is that still the number? So if somebody's making 10 bucks an hour, it's 20,800. It's easy math. So if you go from mm-hmm. if you go from ten to twelve, it's a twenty percent increase. But now you're at twenty four. But the used car that you could buy six months ago or a year ago at five thousand is now ten. So you're sort of right back where you started from, just on an old junk, right? So well, it, it goes it, it goes beyond the used yeah. car. It's, you know the the how much it costs for you to get to and from work every day goes up. Well, right. So I guess where I'm at, the question yeah, I'm asking I, you is I, is if you stratified the whole thing right now, clearly people. Mm-hmm. That are, let's just say, you're retired and you got five million dollars in the market, and you and you haven't looked and you haven't sold anything. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you've done fine unless you pick some clunkers or you know actually good stocks that went. I mean, there are. I guess you would never have thought Sears was a clunker, United you know, Airlines, those things. But yeah. my point is, is that by and large, uh, some groups of society are doing very well, especially if you got all this money that government sent out because some people just. Not saying they didn't follow the letter of the law. I'm just saying an awful lot of people got money that you wouldn't nor- normally expect they would have or should have. Uh, if you were to do 
what this guy did in the 20s right now and had some of your, your people go through and pick every every 20% of society, how do you think that would look? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say because of the price stuff, at least 20% of society is in a serious depression right now. I mean, the, the homeless area down here has got to look like it did during the 30s, for God's sake. I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I have noticed that, that there seems to be a lot of, uh, that seems to be a lot of people on the street, is, uh, is an unfortunate way to put it. You know, there, there's this, this thing where the government has been, I, I, did I even tell, did I tell you guys that we've been getting a government check? You said something about we it. Just I didn't started know getting a ta- we just started getting a ta- child tax credit check. I, you know, but aren't, but aren't we, you? We didn't, we didn't know it was coming, but it was coming. But the point is, there are lots of government checks out going out out there, and, and and regardless of what the president says, I think it is keeping some people from working uh, because they're getting that money. But then on the other side of it, you know, when you step out of the house and you drive, you know, you drive yourself to and from work, that's become more expensive as well. So I think there's a certain part of society that's skating by and hanging out at home all the time because it makes more economic sense for them to hang out at home than actually go go work. Without uh, going into the law on top of it and without getting into your drawers and while you're getting this check, my suspicion <laughs> my suspicion is is that your at your level of income, you're essentially borrowing that money at the end of the year. You're going to have to give. Yeah, well, so I'm, I'll be kind of curious to see how the taxes work out. Yeah, I think uh, and, you're going to make it. It's not a big check. We're just getting some sort of child. We didn't ask for it. It just started showing up. And we're just like, okay, thank you. You sound like uh, you sound like Homer's. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and of course, I'm cashing it because what you just said that I'm. I've, there's a darn good chance I'll be giving it back um, come April fifteenth, and then yeah. some. I. Uh, but but I, I guess so. What, if, if you were to actually take different groups of society and, and get mm-hmm. away from the CNBC, the facts, the people that, if you look at the broad numbers now, for the first time in my life, I think the broad numbers aren't telling anywhere near the story, because because you know yeah. the, the 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 price of uh, matter of fact, my you know my nephew, uh, his, his wife is a uh, teacher, terrific lady, teaches math, and I get my. My info from how kids are actually doing and how much they learned during the COVID from her and some of her friends, right? And, it, and, mm-hmm. and it's good information. Well, the lady's got a, a car. She, she she likes Hondas. And, you know, uh, a lot of times when uh, more more so maybe than guys. Well, actually, no guys are about as they're the same way. They buy, they buy the same thing every time. Anyway, she has a Honda. It's been good to her. Wants to buy another Honda. Uh, and and she's exactly. new. And she drives to work every day. And if anybody should have a nice car, it should be her. So I, I, you know, it's not like there's any criticism whatsoever. Uh, my nephew goes out. The guy says, "Well, I want, I want four grand over list." Uh, I'm going to say, I hope she did. I don't ask. I'm going to say this lady, my beloved nephew's wife, did not get a four thousand dollar raise last year. So if she okay. buys, if she buys this, well, if she did, the entire raise is going to this Honda dealership. I think, A, that sucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, whether, and of course there was a, a combination, evidently, among the Honda dealers in Chicago, maybe more than one, and now there's only a few owners that own all the Honda dealerships, and now these have gone from 1500 over list to 4000 which is exactly what I say all the time, and people say, 
That what what difference does it make? All these mergers are good for they're good. They're not bad. Well, bull bleep. Uh, but I'm saying this. I don't I don't know, Russell. That that if you were to take if you had some of your students now that you're a PhD, you can tell them what to do. Go back and actually do take every. I'd say take a twenty percentile group, take five groups of society, and 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 just chart their life and their spending and their income for the last year. I think you'd find at least up to sixty percent going backwards. Maybe sixty to oh, eighty, yeah. sixty to eighty treading water, and eighty to a hundred. Especially if you were able to get this gun money from the government. I mean, look how many restaurant owners got a huge check and now sold the place. I mean, those guys are going to retire. You know. Yep. When, look what happened. I, Did you see your buddies they, from Schiffard? They were your buddies. A whole ton of, well, I was going to say, just a whole ton of unintended consequences uh, that 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 you know resulted from the short term fix that they felt like we needed when we were going through the the worst of the COVID situation. I do think the worst of that's behind us. Um, it, it's you know it, it's had a unusual impact at different levels of the economy. There are certain levels that, you know, that, that continue to be pretty comfortable and aren't overly, you know, overly worried. Uh, you know, being heavily tied to the uh, education sector now, even though I'm, I do practitioner work, but, um, you know, being heavily tied to the education, I, I'm a lot more comfortable than I've would have been if this were going on, you know, 20 years ago when I was a scumbag hedge fund guy. Or, you know? or, with, an, um, or with an exchange. I think there, it, it, it almost seems like the, if, if you're, you know, is there, there are certain professions that you would go into if you were really worried about being steadily employed. Uh, you and I are not in that industry. No. You know, being, being an accountant or, or you know, being a, the accounting one is the one that I always, you know, kind of kid around with because I'm, I, I teach finance classes and when I have kids that are majoring in accounting, I give them a little bit of hard time about it. But at the same time, I say, your moms will be very happy that you're accountants because they won't have to worry about you when you lose your job and the stock market comes under pressure. Well, they also should uh, be in a... I think, I think, well, where I'm going with this is I think government work might be um, one of those now. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think a lot of people strive for government work when they were growing up, but or at least when I was growing up or when you were growing up, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if there are people that would say, you know, uh, a nice, cushy government job is, is really what I want when I uh, get out of school. But what percentage of the population can work for the government with the other people paying for it? Uh, uh, we're we're going to find out at some yeah. point, probably sooner rather than well, spe- Or especially if you count the people that are retired at age 58 is still is still working for the government and paid for it, even though they're not doing anything. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I'm as as you know, a state university professor. I'm if if I last long enough, I, I think I'll end up. I, I don't. Really, I haven't really looked into it yet. But um, you know, university professors for state universities are are treated the same as teachers. Well, but you guys, I mean, I know yeah. some of the dudes at Notre Dame. Uh, it, you know, it. it I, I wish you a very what did what did, what did Spock say? Live long and prosper. Uh, yeah. But there, there were guys in Notre Dame were still teaching when they were ninety, and, and, and they were pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll be doing the same thing as well. Well, but, but you love it. Why shouldn't you? Why should, why should you quit? <laughs> I enjoy it. So, yeah, but why, why shouldn't you? you know. But I mean, I guess yeah. this this whole idea of these numbers. I mean, you're not accusing anybody. Really, I'm just stating the facts, Jack. Uh, your buddies at Schiff Harden. 
Schiff hired him as a, as a big law firm in Chicago, and one of their one of their shticks was forever they were the law for the CBOE. I don't know. Did, I don't know if they were Board of Trade as well. I don't think they were. I think uh, Board of Trade was where was Thompson? no. They're the they're the CBO one. Yeah, well, where was yeah. where was Thompson? He was uh, was that Winston and Strawn? I think was uh, yeah. The, anyway, Schiff Harden got uh, you know look look it up yourself. I'm going to say four to five million dollars PPP money. And then as soon as they got it, they yeah, they needed that. And as soon as they got it, they sold the firm. Of course. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, the the amount of cash that was 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 sent out to people. How many people had their best year ever? I mean, I'm talking about a lot of restaurants closed. There was a lot of hardship in that in that industry. Look a little closer. Some firms had the best year they ever had, and because of the way the PPP was written, ended up with a huge check and then sold the place. Those guys, those guys have got more money than they ever dreamed. They had a great year that they're getting up and there. They got, they got a big no check, and then they no sold it. No incentive to go back to work either. Yeah, then, then, but then they sold it at yeah. top dollar. Hey, look at our numbers from last year. This is what this is what we do. And some and somebody goes, really, I'll buy that. <laughs> I, I don't even. I, I, if you go go through the list of all the people that got all this money, uh, well, don't do it because you're. Well, I, no, I have, I, I have, and it gets a little, uh, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, I maybe I should have started a, a small business very quickly and then applied for uh, funds. Well, but if, yeah, but if you, well, what if I'd have been able to do that if I could have put together an LLC, you know, like one of those really quick online packages, and then applied for federal money if I would have gotten some. Well, you know what we could have done? I wonder, yeah, if there was a cutoff on on when you had to be... Yeah, I would. I wonder if there... Yeah. Uh, actually, there yeah, would be... Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that think like that, and, you know, they think quicker on their feet. They're, they're like, okay, what's the work? There's money. How do I get it? Uh, there uh, was a whole section in both the PPP and the Employee Retention Act regarding startup firms and how you could qualify even if you were a startup. I didn't read it because we're not a startup. I mean, and I didn't, I didn't know how many people on the show would well, be interested I, in that. But well, they, why, why didn't you, you know, start up another iterate, you know, uh, TPI? Well, you know what we could have done, honestly. <laughs> and this, this is <laughs> not a, this is not a shot against religion because people know that I'm proud of my religious upbringing. Uh, I we could have started a church. We could have gotten mm-hmm. on, ordained online and started a church. And uh, and I think we could have got some money. Shoot, I'm already ordained. I should have done that. Ordained is what? I got a what? You know what? I, I if somebody hasn't written it yet, I need to write the book. Think like a scumbag, and it basically teaches you how to take take advantage of every opportunity like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. How to, yeah. I, mean, I don't think know. How or, or being a scumbag for dummies that would well, be even better. Well, you know what was a big ho- big hole in the law <laughs> is, and the big hole in the law was if you uh, if you got a PPP loan, you were supposed to pay out. It wasn't getting the loan; it was getting it forgiven. Right? Was was the deal? Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can get a loan. <laughs> you got to pay it back. Uh, well, some people don't think you have to, but by and large, most people think you got to pay it back. Well, the the deal was to get it forgiven, but to get it forgiven, you had to pay out. I think 80-85% of the money went out to salaries. Okay. Yeah, I've got three people in my house that I could hire as employees and give them salaries very quickly. Okay, so now you're, there you go. See, now your problem is you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not enough of a scumbag. Um, I know. You need to be a I little know. scummier. A little scummier. Because what you could uh, do, it, the law didn't say if you started out, say if PTI had 
100 people. It didn't say I had to give out the 80% to those 100 people and keep a log of it. I could have laid off 90 of them, given the, the other 10% huge bonuses, which would be, I quote, sa- salary. Given somebody named Audrey a bonus. Um, oh, God. Do <laughs> 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 you, you think if I did, I'd get, at least get a dinner out of it? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, you see some of these people, some of the churches, have uh, got 80000 bucks, 100000 bucks. Number of employees today is zero. They gave yeah. themselves the bonus, paid it out, and closed the place. You and I, we don't even think like this. We we gotta we gotta we don't think like this. But I, I feel like we should use this upcoming long holiday weekend to uh, hash out a bunch of these. So next Wednesday we'll have. Uh, you should you know you should you should do that in your class. Think of the look at all the stuff you see around you from government and everything. Let's think of the slight sleaziest slimiest thing we could do. I bet if we read those on the air, it'd be hilarious. And we probably right. learn, we probably learn something. But until then, we would think we would think it's hilarious. But there'd be there, we would have some listeners taking notes and absolutely and, and then sending us a little thank you gift basket. And until then, enjoy the warm weather and may, and get an In and Out burger while you're yeah. down there. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, that was the first place we ate. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, take care of yourself. SP Futures down. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas to you and your lovely bride. SP Futures down ten. NASDAQ is down forty two. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. Oh, no either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.